0: Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Holy Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Byrd. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The church in America is in serious need of help, but where can we look for that help? On this episode, the hosts open up an old book to find the answers. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to enter to win that old book.
1: Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit. Today we're doing the first of what may well be a a number of podcasts, picking up on themes and reflecting upon uh, an extremely important republication, and that is the republication not of the covenant of works as some of our friends at west might uh, be thinking at this point but of the church of christ by james bannerman a classic of scottish presbyterian theory uh, expression of great expression of presbyterian which in the new edition from Banner of Truth has been massively improved by the addition of an outstanding introductory foreword by somebody, well, modesty forbids me from mentioning this person's name on air. Put it this way, the purchase price, it's worth it just for the foreword. Anyway, one of the reasons why James Bannerman's work is significant at this particular moment in time, interestingly enough, is that the tsunami that is descending upon us at this particular point in time relative to cultural and political issues in the wider world has really made it very clear that those churches that do not have a strong sense of self-identity, which requires, of course, a clear polity and an elaborate confession of faith, stand very little chance of being able to I would suggest keep their people on board, given all of the cultural pressures that are coming. And secondly, offer an articulate and well-thought-out response to many of the cultural challenges. In this context, polity and elaborate confession are going to be absolutely vital. And James Bannerman speaks, among many other things, to precisely those Two points, mm. Amy. I know that you've uh, read the book. Todd, I know it hasn't got pictures in it, so <laughs> Todd is struggling. I have, the, I have the pop-up version. He's <laughs> chewing his way through the. May I say it again? Rather brilliant introduction. At the I, saw, I saw
2: who wrote. I saw who wrote the introduction, <laughs> and I tossed it. Oh,
3: I <laughs> but Amy,
1: that. Amy has been working working through it. So, Amy, do you have any immediate reflections or responses to to my introduction?
3: Yeah, I do. I think that. Um, you know, we live in an age that really has a very low view of the church. And so this, this book really highlights um, the role of the church, the importance of the church, um, the purpose of the church, um, the appointment of the church, being given by God. And um, it's very thorough. And so it may be a little intimidating to see it first. Um, I'm one of those evil parents who let my kids watch Spongebob. And the mere appearance of the book, you know, it's kind of like the episode where Squidward gave SpongeBob this huge book on, manual on learning everything about there is to know about fine dining. And he pretty much was overwhelmed and lost Do it.
1: Squidward, quad Every sentence, every paragraph, spoons, bread, salad, pepper, don't you understand? My brain is full to bursting. If I have to memorize a single order, I think I'm going to explode.
3: And I think... I want to say to those who ma- might see this and hour. think, oh, this is too big. I don't want to go through all this. The chapters are very readable. They're short and very easy to go through. And so that I would recommend that you know, not just scholars and students and, and pastors read the book, but it's great for the layperson as well.
1: Well, we need another edition with a SpongeBob SquarePants analogy in the foreword. I, I,
0: I was just say, I those, make it make it more
1: you, appealing to the the PCA guys out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: for those of you that are that are not really aware of SpongeBob SquarePants, just think just think Dostoevsky. It's a lot like that. <laughs> um, so, uh, Carl, you know, a, a point you made um, about um, I, I think the word you used was 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 rather elaborate to apply to a church's confession. I. I really think this is important. What I see across the landscape of American evangelicalism are, are, I won't even call them confessions of faith, I'll call them rather brief statements of faith, that insofar as what they contain are, are very orthodox, the problem is they're so general, all they can do is is weed out kind of the worst forms of heresy. That, that's really the best they can do. So, So while they might identify... Um, uh, some, of, some of the, the most uh, central and essential uh, issues. They, they really don't help the church navigate a whole host of errors out there. And really, a confession of faith is there to help instruct the people and teach the people um, about the character of God and about what it's like to live um, south of heaven. And um, the church seems, at least within, quote, broad evangelicalism, the church seems to be very ill-equipped
1: to do that. Yeah, but even at a very simple level, take, for example, you know, gay marriage is the, is the issue that's pressing on us at this particular moment in time. I'm guessing that most brief church covenants and confessions don't touch on marriage. Right. Uh, a number of students have said to me over the, the last year, you know, does the, do we need to revise our confession to, to handle the issue of gay marriage? Well, you don't need to revise the Westminster Confession because although it doesn't address the issue of gay marriage directly, chapter 24 uh, paragraph one says marriage is to be between one man and one woman. There you've got it laid out very clearly. So even on the sort of the pressing moment, the pressing issues of the day, if you've got a good historic confession, you've already got your statement on exactly. gay marriage. It's not dealing with the, the immediate uh, ephemera of today, if you like. It's dealing with the underlying principle that allows you to address right. the ephemera of today. Right. And in addition to that,
2: I'm sure the OPC, I know the PCA does, a host, they have a host of position papers as, as well that have been written over the years to, um, to, again, help instruct the people. So, for instance, I don't, I don't need to write a, an additional position paper for our church because the PCA already has a pretty thick and very good. well-written, clear position to elaborate further on what the Westminster Confession already affirms. About yeah. marriage, you know, I, I would ask some of my brethren in um, quote broadly evangelical churches: Are they ready for that? Are they equipped to give those things to their people to help them navigate these issues?
1: Yeah, Amy, as a layperson, how do you find uh, you know Bannerman's points about polity and confession in terms of helping you as a as a non ordained Christian member of the church?
3: I was, when I was reading through that, uh, the importance of the confessions and the role of the church to be the, the official holder and the teacher of the Word of God, it really made me think of, about something else he said earlier in the book about how a Christian lives in society, Because in our culture, I think that there's so much of this, um, okay, for gay marriage, people kind of introspectively th- look into their own idea of what they think is right and what they think is wrong. And, um, they're not going to the church. So they're not going to the authority of the word of God. They're, they're going to their own interpretation. And so I think this, that he really highlighted, um, in that section on creeds and confessions and also in his, um, chapters on the the ministry of ordination, just, um, the power that the church does have and also the power that it doesn't have. Yeah. And the creeds and confessions are so good in that area.
1: And they locate you in a sort of stream of historical wisdom. Another right. thing, I think, and, and you're pointing at this, is it, it also locates individual doctrines and positions within the, the structure as a whole. Right. One of the things that strikes me, for example, of the, you know, the, the gibberish statement that came out of City Church San Francisco recently mm-hmm. is how isolated are the issues they, they deal with. We've got a lot of gay people coming. We like gay people. Therefore, rather than mm-hmm. setting the issue of human sexuality within a much broader understanding of anthropology and a much broader understanding of theology. Mm -hmm. We contend, I think, always to try to deal with the instances that are presented to us in isolation and take them as our starting point without taking the historic testimony of the church and of the scriptures as a whole. And confessions are a great antidote to that.
3: Right, yeah. Just that Carl
2: letter. well, Amy, I was just going to reference that 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 letter that, that Carl mentioned too, and it might have been mm-hmm. the same point you were going to make, which is this the, the this stunning statement that the pastor says that you know we disagree on everything you know, yeah, right. our, yeah. there's no
3: authoritative declaration coming from the yeah. church about right. what the Word right. of God says no. about this no. right and the the creeds and confessions really help in that way, too,
1: exactly yeah.
2: Exactly. And and there seems, you know, having served for almost five years in a, quote, broadly evangelical church, there seemed to be a virtue in saying we have a whole host of opinions on all of these issues as if that was a virtue, forgetting what, you know, the Apostle Paul said when he called the church to agree to be of the same mind, to think the same way on these issues. And that's what a what a good, thorough confession of faith will, will do for you.
1: And it gives you a good solid ground for discipleship because right. the members of our churches are gonna come under huge pressure to conform, to conform not just their behaviour, but their thinking to the standards of the world around. And if all you've got is is a ten point statement or a mm-hmm. bunch of sound bites, you're not gonna be able to give people the coherent theological structure that will be able to take the strain that is going to be applied to it by the wider cultural pressure at this point. So, again, it takes me back to a point I made in the creedal Imperative that confessions of faith are excellent pedagogical documents because right. they set a roadmap before the congregation of, you, you may not believe all this when you join the church, but this represents a healthy and comprehensive Christian approach to life and, and we are going to try to move you along towards right. embracing as much of this as possible
2: right and that you make a comment carl in in that book the credal imperative along those lines about how the the, the words you use is that it, it, they're aspirational these yeah. these confessions of faith oh. they represent the aspirations of the office holders of the church to say do you have to have all of this knowledge to join the church no you have to confess yeah. jesus christ as lord be baptized but we have aspirations for you. We love you, and we have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. We, we want to see you grow in your knowledge of God, and, uh, and, and that's part of what the confessions do.
3: Banner yeah, makes the yeah. point that the confessions help us to, to hold fast to our confession of hope, mm-hmm. which you know, is a command given to us in Scripture, yep. to persevere, uh, to teach, like you were saying, and then also to give us assurance about the teaching mm-hmm. from the Word of God. And it confirms and affirms what the Word of God is saying and gives us assurance in that. And yeah. I just found that really helpful. I mean, how is that not helpful for a lay right. person? Right. And that there's you know, this yeah. long
2: history of, of people who have agreed on these things, who have yeah. read the Bible and come to a consensus of this is what it means.
1: Yeah, yeah. The church that doesn't know what it believes doesn't know what it is. Yeah. And that church yeah. stands no chance in the coming cultural uh, ambiance we're going to find ourselves in in the United States and across the Western world at this particular right. point.
2: Right. Yeah. There's going yeah. to have to be something very robust for our people uh, to yeah. stay afloat during mm-hmm. these days. And yeah. and the church, yeah. the church, we have to give that to these yeah. men and women who are every day having to navigate some increasingly difficult waters.
3: Yeah. Well, and also yeah. we were talking about gospel shaped worship worship recently and, you know, immediately following his chapters on the creeds and confessions, he gets into, you know, his own version of, I guess you could call it gospel-shaped worship, because yeah. the creeds and confessions, you know, naturally help also help us
2: right.
3: to know how to worship. And he mm-hmm. highlights that, you know, that's by God's appointment and God's methods. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty important. Mm-hmm. So we won't have those people, uh, you know, having communion with their buddies while they're having s'mores and hot chocolate. Right. <laughs> what was that article we were reading once? Yeah. You know, my idea of communion is uh, s'mores and right. hot chocolate with yeah. my friends after praising God for the beautiful day.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was watching a, uh, a, a video. I think I sent the link to you all late last night of, uh, of Ed Young Jr. in Fellowship Church in Grapevine, Texas. Oh, I had to on, his, his, five, his, he, his about Easter that, sermon. Yeah. Yeah, his Easter sermon, Breath Mints, M-E-A-N-T. Um, and I thought, you know, that's not the sort of thing that's going to help sustain a people who are going to have to deal with uh, some really difficult days ahead. That's just not going to do it.
1: The church that is entertaining doesn't give people what they need in facing the deeper questions of life. Right. And the deeper questions of life are going to be pressing in much earlier than death, I think, right. in the near future yeah. for Christians in the United States. We're not going to be able to just enjoy the kind of cultural comfort we've had. We're right. not going to be persecuted. I don't think anybody's going to be lined up against a wall and shot for their faith in the next hundred years in the United States. Right. But the years of being able to sit back and be comfortable
2: Right. People are going to yeah. have to make decisions that are going to affect their employment. Yeah. And yeah. educational um, opportunities. Yeah. They're going to be more. They already are. For, for many people in
1: the pew, they already are. They yeah. already are. So we have we have some tough times ahead and we need to make sure that we are properly grounded in historic faith as once given to the saints. And that requires a confession and it requires polity. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit. We will probably be returning to James Bannerman's book again and again and again. It is a great resource for understanding biblical polity. In the meantime, we look forward to joining with you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin. Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Make sure to visit our website mortificationofspin.org to enter for your chance to win a copy of the book The Church of Christ by James Bannerman. Next week, the gang talks with Frank Beckwith about ethics and abortion.
1: Things, I think, are happening that are closely connected and will be of relevance to all Christians. The rise in uh, identity politics issues, perhaps the most obvious historically, has been uh, that of abortion. But we're now facing questions relating to gay marriage and even beyond that. Transgender questions are coming coming up with remarkable uh, regularity. And on the other hand, we're also facing an era where more and more of key decisions in that kind of framework
0: are being made by law courts. It's a conversation you won't want to miss. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to enter the giveaway.
1: Well, welcome to modification of. Sorry, I've completely. What are we modification of spin? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's my. brilliant have the line completely. Who are? Who am I? Where, you do? Why <laughs> so, am I here? I, I recognise Amy, <laughs> but who's the other guy? <laughs> okay, let's let's take it from the top. Three, two, one.